It's Sunday, March 13th, and you are listening to Peanuts and Popcorn. P&P is a baseball podcast interrupted by a movie discussion between two old friends. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on, on the spring training edition of Peanuts and Popcorn, the lockout is over. The owners and the Players Association have finally agreed to a deal that will allow for the 2022 season to begin. With the new labor deal comes new free agent signings. Tom and I will break down what you can expect this season, including some of the new rule changes. The Baseball Writers Association of America elects David Ortiz to the Hall of Fame, but Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens fail to win induction. We'll talk about the Cubs and the Sox, and our popcorn discussion is on the Academy Award-nominated West Side Story. How are you doing, Tom? Good morning. I'm doing very well. well happy to kick off our uh, sixth season. Uh, on P&P. Six, yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, this is amazing. We're, we're now kind of going into the five and 10 year thing where we can control which podcast we can be traded to. <laughs> you know, this, uh, this, this relationship has, uh, has is, is the only relationship that I've had that's lasted longer is with my wife. <laughs> well, that's sad, Leo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't contemplated that, but you know, the world's in a topsy turvy way right now. You know, we're just in a topsy turvy way. And we want to, the Tom and I really want to send out, I don't know, there's nothing we can do. And that's really what's so frustrating. But the war in Ukraine has begun. Vladimir Putin and Russia have invaded Ukraine. And, you know, it's really hard to concentrate or really think about things that uh, it's hard to imagine that a podcast like this or even a, a labor dispute between owners and players can matter in the face of just such, I don't know, human suffering. Well, it doesn't. And the reality is it doesn't, as we, both of us are students of history and understand war and, and what the repercussions of it are. And it's just it's um, it's tragic. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a weird animal in the sense that I, um, you know, the image is coming back to us of people that are being devastated. Really, I, it's just heartbreaking for the children. But nothing and I mean, nothing gets me like uh, images of tortured animals or dogs or, or that are left because the parent, the family had to flee the zone. To me, that, that just, that hits me in a way because animals are so helpless in a certain regard, like nothing else. I've always said, I can watch people being killed, but I can't watch an animal being injured. And if you, if you try to do it in front of me, you will see a side of me that, uh, you know, it, that that's just not very nice. It probably would put me in prison. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing is just so maddening. And uh, but you know, but again, it's halfway around the world, and uh, we are here in Chicago, and we have things that we have to deal with. Like uh, my kitchen renovation is just <laughs> so, wow! What so a seg- what a segue that is. It's so close to being done, Tom. And I, I bring this up because we talked about it so much yeah. last season. Because is, is it the oh, ice maker that's holding no, you it's up? Not the ice maker. <laughs> it's the it's the two things. It's the hood over the over the stove. Still, we talked about the hood two still months ago. The hood, still floating in a ship somewhere in a port in the United States of America. But um, wow. the other one is the are the little. The hardware on the drawers, the handles oh, right. on the drawers in the cabinets. You, you brought that up two months ago too. What what is who's doing this? Is this Eb that's from Green Acres? What is going on in your house? I know it's just it's hard. It's hard with so much going on. Um, 
we have three kids and we have a lot to keep up with. And and, and your wife is the contractor. That's and my the... wife is the contractor. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, hello. That's probably not. Uh, oh, well, but uh, but you all, though, are making some big changes. Uh, yeah. You... Yeah. This is our last show from Chicago for, for a while. Anyways, this is my last show in this place that we've done for so many this our sixth season. Uh, we moved to Michigan on Wednesday. Uh, wow. And so we've been kind of uh, heading towards this point for a while. And because of that, we've decided that we were going to kind of spend our remaining time in Chicago visiting some of our favorite restaurant spots. And then ultimately we went to, to a couple of our favorite watering holes. But uh, from a restaurant standpoint, um, the saddest part of it is, and you, I knew that I lived in, and again, I've lived in Chicago for 37 years, the, the most period of my life. Um, and I knew that I lived here for a while in the 90s when you would start to see places closed that were favorites of yours, restaurants that you enjoyed, bars you become, that you what, what happens is first you get sad about it, but then you become numb to it because it happens so much. And then you become kind of wise to the fact that you can look at a business and go, well, you're going to fail. If, 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 if Kelly Mondali on Clark Street failed, you are going to fail. You know, that you, you can kind of make those uh, uh, assumptions to a certain degree. I always it's say that Chicago is torn down and built up every, every square inch of it. And this happens all the time. But yeah. Anyway. And so my our favorite go-to restaurant of all time was a late night place right next to where we used to live in the old Cody's neighborhood. And that was called River Kwai. Oh, yeah. Uh, River, River Kwai uh, it, it was in a, two eccentric brothers from Thailand um, who had serious <laughs> gambling problems. Um, and, and <laughs> I mean, ser- literally they would shut the restaurant down and go, and, and I would go, where have you been for seven weeks? They're like, we were in Vegas until we lost all our money. I'm like, Oh, okay. Every, and, and just one thing about the river Kwai, cause I want to pay tribute to them. That's the really the point of this is that, um, people would say, well, what time do they open? I said, well, yesterday they opened at 9 13 PM, but today they're not going to open till 11 10. They never opened at the same time. There was no opening hours. They had a famous sign in the background that said, this is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. (laughs) So I had a special relationship with the front man uh, at the restaurant. He loved me. And in fact, it was so much so that it used to bother me that my friends and Gwen would be like, you got to go in there because he'll give it, give you the food right away. And and Patrick, uh, the the bartender at Cody's used to say, you know, it's going to take me two hours to get my food. Uh, But for some reason, and, and one night I passed out in there from too much inebriation at Cody's and I woke up and he just looked me square in the eye and he said, bet on Washington today. <laughs> I miss it because it was the great, I've had better pod tie, but, yeah. but that was the greatest late night eat spot yeah. of no soup for you. He pulled that yeah, shit all right. the time. He'd be like, just yeah. get out. You're not getting anything. Get out. I said, <laughs> I do remember waiting, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes for an order. Yeah, I would walk in the door and he would say, here it is for you. People, people would be drunk sitting there going, what the fuck is with this guy? He just walks in and gets his food. I'm, I'm like, hey, don't blame me, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, the guy's my friend. Well, Tom, you know, you are lovable. You really yeah. are. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but see, now you bring up River Kwai. That yeah. begs the question, have you been to the, the new Cody's? Yeah, I, I have. And I, I want to kind of talk about that for a second. So we decided on Friday night that we were going to kind of, in contrast, 
go to Cody's, which was our um, Cheers bar in the 90s where all bar of us you met. And I, it's the bar where you and I met at Klein and, and Barrett. Yeah, and, and people used to say, well, if, if this is the greatest bar. And I'm like, no, actually, it's the patrons that make this bar great. It's just like a basement in somebody's <laughs> suburban house. It's not, it, it's, it really, and, and the fact is, and we'll talk about this in a second, the, the former owner of the bar didn't really put a lot into it. But so we decided on Friday we were going to go to Cody's, our old bar, and Simon's kind of more so for me than my wife, my new bar, which is a classic old man's bar in Simon's Andersonville, in my favorite part. neighborhood in Chicago. I just That's love bar on the north side. It's, it's real. It's phenomenal. So so we went. My wife wisely said we're going to go to Cody's first. Cause I thought, you know what, well, let's end at Cody's our final bar. And she's like, no, no, we go to Cody's first. And so we, we walk in and it's at six 30 at night. Now in the old days on a Friday night, we live right down the street from Cody's at six 30 on a Friday night. It was just starting to ramp up. There would probably be eight to 10 people in there at the most. This place was packed at six 30. I mean, packed. And so we knew nobody in the bar. This was like an old Twilight Zone episode where I, I kind of wanted to walk in and go. Do, location, yeah, yeah, but I wanted to walk in and go, do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. <laughs> <laughs> you see that plaque on the wall? That's because of me. You know, that. Kind, but but you can't do that because they're all like fresh face kids. Even my wife goes that these people are us. So, and, and me, it was a little frustrating because we asked for a, a beer and like the bartender, I don't want to say they glared at us, but they're like, Hey, what, you know, what are you people doing in here? This is not, you know, this is not the blue hair special. This, this is not the seniors hour. What are you, what are you doing here? But overall, I have to say they, you know, like I to go back to the whole gene thing, uh, the former owner of the bar did a really good job as far as keeping prices down. And, you know, it was a really great gathering. Yeah. I mean, he had his own little idiosyncrasies, which yeah. I'm not going to go into here, but he didn't really invest a lot into the bar itself. And in fact, uh, the great Joe side, when he used to write for our newspaper, used to lampoon uh, the, the, the Cody's newspaper that we wrote about certain things with the bar. In fact, no air conditioning in the summer, all those kind of things. All of that has been remedied. They basically someone came in and it, it may it well yeah it, well, it may, I think we looked closely it could be a veneer because when you look at that old tin roof which is so famous in so many bars in Chicago you can't paint over that roof and the reason is is because smoke after time yeah, you know right. ba ba you can't it's just not a good idea and they painted over that roof so that was kind of one weird goofy thing and there's literally TVs everywhere I mean I yeah, felt like I was in I felt like I was in the fucking Truman Show I mean it, it was just and it, it's too much. It, it was just too, it, it, my overall take, if someone says, it, you know, describe the new Cody's in one line, I would say it would be almost like if the Ramada Inn had a sports bar. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, and that's yeah. not a compliment, unfortunately. It's not a compliment. No. And so again, we were only there for a very short period of time. So it, it, oh, and, and the crowd, they seem reasonable. Here's the, here. there was like 15 dogs in the bar. And, and so that was something that while Gene professed That's something that he did keep. Yeah. It, no, but he professed to be a, a, a dog bar, but ultimately he didn't like dogs too much because he kicked out a lot of people. A minute a dog would make a yelp sound, get out. 
take your money and get out. Like he, whereas this is more of a cooler. It's almost like they got rid of kind of the bad things of the Cody's and, and, and have tried to appease and appeal to not just the neighborhood, but to the, to the people that go into Cody's now, which is generally people that are 25 to 35 years old, generally speaking. So I, I, I have to ask, did he keep the picture of, did they keep the picture of Janet? No, no, that's long gone. That's long gone. Uh, uh, so, um, the, by the way, remember, if you remember anything about Cody's, one last thing, they had a world-class urinal in that, in the men's bathroom. I mean, I remember you remember that, that just was like all it, the way. It, it was so big at one point, I actually saw a small, uh, a family of boat people living in this <laughs> urinal. It, it, That's it, right. And, and it's so, the greatest urinal of all time. I, I actually had to take a picture of it Friday night to show my brother that it's not, it's, they completely redid the basement. There's a stall in there. I mean, not the basement, the bathroom. And it no. looks, it looks like a modern, nice bathroom. It, it's not, you know. But they didn't keep that great urinal. Yeah, well, that gra the graffiti on the wall was for, tremendous. Still to the, you know, the greatest line I ever read on a bathroom wall was, uh, uh, soily and green is people, but it tastes like chicken. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways we moved along to uh simon's on the north side um and it, what a contrast yeah. and the reason is is because when we walked into cody's we literally knew nobody that's why it was so twilight zone like but when we walked into simon's it was like old home patrick was behind the bar welcoming welcoming us that and patrick was the old bartender at cody's welcoming us with open open arms uh, and uh, some other people that we knew there. That's the thing. When you walk into a bar and the regulars know you, you have a different experience versus walking into a bar where no one knows you. Yeah. And so that tempers my opinion of Cody's. But generally speaking, I hate to say it, I would never go back there. Only because I'm too old. It, it, once you go it, in there, you'll know what I'm talking. This is not for us. It's it's the and you got to know when that when that moment is. There's nothing. And that's worse. okay. It, right. That's okay. It's okay to have the memories. You know what I mean? It's like the people who got so furious when the jam broke up. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so. yeah. I would. I, I, I'm still beside myself, but uh, yeah. But so, so, so that really is, so we stayed at Simon's. We were there, unfortunately, all night long because we had stuff we had to do yesterday and we paid for it. But it was great to kind of catch up, shoot the shit and, and be with Patrick, you know, one last time kind of in That's Chicago. Before well, good, we I'm glad, I'm glad you're able to do that. And that was smart of Gwen to stay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If it would have been reversed, I would have been like, let's go, like we, we made a mistake. Let's go back to Simon's. But, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it, so you know, it, it just, uh, it, it's great. We're going to be, we're going to miss this town big time. We're going to be moving back this to Chicago. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, uh, certainly just the bars and restaurants alone, you know, the places you ate and drank it, my God, you're going to, that's, I mean, with you and Gwen leaving, that's 10, 15% off the local economy right there. It, there. There is no doubt. My brother, Brian, by the way, who oh, I think God. occasionally listens to this show in Flat Rock, Michigan, when he, when they announced COVID, he is the most, um, most vigilant person that I've ever known through COVID. He will not associate with any other people, mask at all times. But this was a guy that was at the bars two or three nights a week, apparently like him not going to bars for two years, five bars have closed in his in his neighborhood. And <laughs> and his name is Mud with his certain bar yeah, right. with certain bar owners out there. But anyways, I, the bar industry for the yeah. entire region. <laughs>
Lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Baseball is back. I mean, we have been on hiatus since right. uh, we decided that we would be on hiatus and remain that way until there was an agreement between the owners and the players. We finally got that. Yeah. I think uh, like 72 hours ago it happened. And uh, I'm happy. Uh, we're getting some good things that I think will help the game in the long term. But there's some things about it that I don't like and that right. I'm upset about. And I'm going to have a hard time, I think, sort of dealing with it as, as I think you feel the same way. And uh, let's get right to it, shall we? Well, I mean, just to preface, I just, we, we've, I've said this before, I'll keep on saying it. It's unsavory when billionaires fight with millionaires. And I think that what baseball needs to learn is that it's a sport whose fan base is dying off. Uh, it's losing fans. It's not gaining fans. It's not like if the NFL decided to break that people would be freaking out with all the fantasy football and all that crap. The fact is baseball has some work to do. It can ill afford to continue behaving like this. I think they need to get themselves in order. And I read all the changes and I get it all. But to me, 90 days to come to this like 11th hour decision. to yeah, save know, season, yeah. It's just it's yeah. ridiculous. The thing the is, the fact that it took them 99 days to come to this in the face of wars in Europe. Exactly. You know, that they're, yeah, this was ridiculous. Your kitchen. I mean, come on. Yeah, my kitchen. Exactly. That, you know, there you go. But, uh, but they will be playing. I mean, you know, initially, what was so, I think, frustrating is that the owners were setting these arbitrary deadlines that we won't be able to play 162 games. You know, if we don't have an agreement by this date, so we'll lose seven games or five games, and then we lose another seven if it's not done in another week. And those 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 deadlines, they blew right through them. But now, magically, oh, well, we can play 162 games. You know, and I, it just, it stinks is what it does. Yeah. You know, it stinks because they intentionally, for their own monetary gain, tried to hurt and break the union. And right. for what? You know, for what? What do you really well, get out of it in the end? An inability for anybody to do business. Uh, look, I, hey, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a union guy, a UAW guy. For the, my, once you're a UAW, you are for the rest of your life. However, the owners own the football, so to speak. It is, they, I mean, seriously, they do own it. And they can determine, by and large, um, how it's going to be played in no other place. I don't care what your job or profession is. Does the union wield the power that it, that it wields in this particular entity of, of sports and not just baseball, but in sports in general. Um, and so I, I it, there's two sides to this story. That's why I think it's so unsavory, but you know, what, the whole time this was going on and the, the whole, like two weeks essentially where the owners, I think felt, I felt like the owners were completely intractable. I mean, they did move eventually, but yeah. But what I thought players could have done to fight back, what they should have done, and which I, I didn't see. And I even called my friend in Miami and said, this is what you need to get your clients doing, is players needed to start going to college and high school baseball games and practices. Yeah. Just go there, sit there in the stands, watch the boys hit, you know, take video of it, post it on social media. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
well, look who's in the stands. It's Wilson Contreras. Can you come on down and talk to the boys? And, right, right. Well, I can't talk about the strike, but so do that, you know, and then fans are going to be like, look at how much these guys love the game. They love it so much that they just want to be around it. But everybody's so above the people that, that give them, that, that make the product as valuable as it is. And that's what's so frustrating. In no time were the interests of the fans even considered. That's right. That's right. And, and again, we love baseball. They're preaching to the choir. We're not going to stop being baseball fans. It's, it's a mere uh, annoyance to us longtime baseball fans. But to that, like you said, that 12-year-old kid out there that's deciding what sports they're going to follow, you're fucking up. And, and, well, and, and, and I got to tell you, I think, I think I agree with you that this is the end of the baseball commissioner. This of this particular baseball commissioner, I don't this think he has who just completely represents the owners. Interest. Correct, correct. My brother is so mad. He goes, "I hate all guys named Manfred." He goes, "I went and smashed all my Manfred Man, Man albums and and, and discuss." But but you're right. Like the idea that that the commissioner is a independent entity in baseball is absolute and utter bullshit. Uh, the, the owners hire him yeah. and the owners hire him and, and they fight and they fire him too. And you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So, so these are some of the things that we're going to have to deal with. And, you know, we're, there's some good things, you know, yeah. um, did they eliminate the ship? Do you know if they eliminated the shift? I read every change in, in the athletic, but I didn't see that because that was on the table. It, I, I'm it was on the table and they could still do it and they could impose it within 45 days. So that's one of the new things that, that they could impose a rule change that would happen within the season. Wow. Yeah. That's you never know? happened before. Never. And that, that is big. That's a big thing. And, and that might bring in, I don't know if it's going to bring in robot umpires or things like that, but you could see a banning of the shift. And I have a great suggestion for it. Yeah. And that is if you put two white lines at second base. So the white lines basically are, a 90 degree angle that are ex yeah. an extension of the baselines between first and second and second and third. Okay. Right, right. And they're white and they go out to the edge of the infield grass. Now the infielder on either side, either the second baseman or the shortstop could play at the bag. Okay. Mm -hmm. Up the middle, but the deeper he gets, he has to move further away. He has to stay on the inside of that white line. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah. means he can't stand on the outfield grass directly behind the back. He can only be, you know, no, no, I, I, I got you. I got you. Well, 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 just, just say you can't do it or better yet say, Hey, if you can do the shift, but we're going to actually have like a landmine in the field. So like, <laughs> you may make it, I mean, do it at your own risk. Just get rid of it. Go back to the, the, the old way you can, you can shade all the way like they used to do, but but, but a what it's done to, like you used to say, and I agree with you, what it's done to left-handed hitters is yeah. ridiculous It, it yeah. because they are at a complete and utter disadvantage. Yeah. And it just needs to end. It's bad for baseball. Um, but uh, I think that way about there, the there, DH too. But so there should be, there should be a limiting of shifting because what it does is it, 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 it discourages uh, going the other way with that's the right. ball or that's being right. a good hitter. You know, and that's the that's the problem. It forces, especially left-handed hitters, to try to hit the ball over the shift. And what happens is that they, they strike out a lot, you know, and that that ground ball up the middle, 
You know what I mean? That would drive in the run with two outs. I yep, mean, that, that's completely been eliminated. All that stuff, right. Hitting to right field for a right-handed hitter. All that yeah. stuff. It's, it's no fun. And I think that that could be a good thing that we might see, and we might see it within the season. Yeah. Now, the yeah. other thing is there are two more playoff teams. We've gone right. from 10 to 12, I think. And yeah. uh, they've added a third wild card. Now, the wild card could be from any division. It's, right. it's all based on record. So I think Correct. that that's not such a bad thing. No. And, and if you think about it, as much as I love that play-in game, I mean, it was a really exciting game. One Right next to the World Series, I thought, because you were, it's a literally a do-or-die game. And whenever you have that, it's phenomenal. But they wisely decided to eliminate that and go to a wild-card best-of-three scenario which to me gives teams a much you uh, to me i think you ultimately get better teams in the remaining playoffs uh by doing it that way you get the more right right. as opposed to somebody that's just hot that day because if you go back and look at the play-ins most all of the play-in winners have lost most all of them (laughs) and also i think modern baseball teams know how to rest now they know how to manage rest because there used to be this rust versus rest argument. That's right. That's right. Your your Tigers, I remember, lost the World Series to the Cardinals because the Cardinals were playing all these exciting do or die games. Exactly. The Tigers were just mowing through people, and then they got crushed. But they were also off for almost two weeks. Yeah, that's that. That's they, their their circadian rhythm was completely interrupted as baseball players. Um, so the other thing that I thought was interesting is, and this is going to piss people off it's a different balanced schedule now now you play every team kind of like the nba at least once a year so if you want to see mike trout you get a chance to see mike trout every other year because basically what's going to happen is it's not two series each year it's one series for every team and then you play your division um uh, rivals like like the, I think the Cubs and the Sox are, are going to keep their series. They're going to keep a little four game, two and two, two here, two there. Right, right. You know, the athletic points out correctly that it was something to watch the the scheduler make the changes that were required to keep that 162 game schedule intact without moving the World Series because Fox Fox yeah, Sports Fox told, so, no, they, to told it, they told MLB we will not move it. Absolutely will not move it. You must, so th- there was quite the challenge to try to, but they were able to do it. There's going to be some double headers. And basically the end of the season is not the October 2nd. It's October 5th. There's a slight change there, but it doesn't, it doesn't really impact the playoffs at all, which you is know, great. That part is great. Um, you know what I like is that there's no time off between playoff games. They yeah, play them right, right. to get it in by the, that mandatory date that Fox imposed. You know, they have to play these games quickly. And what what will be interesting is that the fourth starters on teams will now really come into play in the playoffs. No so doubt. that'll be kind of good. I'm kind of interested. So, so there are some things about it that I like. Now, I'm, of course, the death of, of pitchers hitting is Yeah, is, the, yeah. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because we should it's really kind of. And, and the people, the proponents, the people who are, agree with you and I, yeah. Are, are making all of the wrong arguments for it. Okay? Well, yeah, yes. Well, I, people are just, uh, I, I don't, I hate the DH. I, there would be, if if I ran the world, there'd be two or three things I would do on day one executive orders, but getting rid of the DH would be one of them. I absolutely abhor the DH only because 
Uh, baseball was fine until 72 or 73, whenever that one had changed. They had, because there was this dearth of, off, uh, of offense, it's because you had guys like Bob Gibson pitching. You had, guy, you, you had Tom Seaver. You had dominating pitchers. It wasn't that the baseball hitters forgot to hit. It was just a phase they were going through. And, I, and baseball has always had knee-jerk reactions like that. So I'm saddened. However, like we've talked about, if it advances the game, I don't give a shit anymore. Let's just get on with the baseball games. Well, I mean, I, I've been, you know, I've learned, like I've enjoyed uh, the White Sox at times and I've been well, that uh, makes a White one Sox of fan. Well, okay. But, but, but <laughs> I've rooted for American League teams. I've rooted right. for teams that have had the deal. Go Tigers. Uh, I know I can do it. I know I know how to do it. Yeah. But the problem is, and, and this is what I think people fail to get, is that, you know, baseball, I, I, I make the comparison, baseball is a recipe, like a, for a stew. And yeah. it has all these different components and ingredients. And the, the, the pitcher's hitting is like a bay leaf in a stew, where yeah. it just adds that slight little herbal note. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's still a stew if you don't have it. You've but been watching too many baseball. cooking shows and it all goes back to your kitchen, doesn't it? It does go back to my kitchen. But, but, you know, it'll never quite taste the same. Right. And I'm sorry. It's always better the next day, isn't it? Yeah. But <laughs> see, people don't get it, is that the pressure isn't on the offense no. when the pitcher comes up. Right. The pressure right. is on the defense to make sure that they retire the automatic out. Because yeah. it's not an automatic out. It's an unlikely hit. Correct. And, Correct. and, the, and when, when you remove pitchers from hitting, you remove unlikely or an unlikely component uh, to our enjoyment of the game. When I go to a game, yes, I want to see doubles in the gap. Yes, I want to see home runs. Yes, I want to see great defense. But I also want to see something that's unlikely, that's unexpected, like a pitcher driving in two runs exactly. and the Cubs win exactly. by one. Exactly, you know like Arietta hitting a home run. Or Bartolo Colon hitting home run. Right, or, right, that, right. Or do you remember, like, in the 2016 season where the Cubs went until, like, June without a sacrifice bunt? Right. You know what I mean? And right. finally, Kyle Hendricks got one. Right. And he got this big ovation in the dugout. When pitchers bat, the yeah. players have fun. And when yeah. the players have fun, we have fun. I, I Dude, you're preaching to the choir on this 100%. I mean, I think that uh, – that that the the more the best thing for us to do is to put it behind us and not think about it anymore because it's just going to drive you to drink. It it, it doesn't really it, it, really it doesn't make sense. But to me, and I'll say this to the day I die, keep taking cards out of the manager's uh, arsenal, their tool bag, because this was a card in the manager's tool bag that you would see managers in late games were so so shrewd at this. I remember Whitey Herzog was unbelievable at managing bullpens and and pulling pitchers and bringing them in in and out all because the pitcher was due up in the next inning. All that you keep taking those cards, those those cards out of the manager's tool box and next thing you know it's going to be robots. And I think you're ruining you're ruining the fucking game. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. And, and it's all about it's all about this ever-ending quest for efficiency. Right. But that quest is ringing out right. all of the things about the game that we love. Exactly. And and exactly. and you know, I'm going to still go. I mean, baseball will go on long after I'm right. I've left this earth. That's you correct. Know? And and so I'll enjoy what I can when I can. Right. But right. but but. I'm sorry. I, I will too until they put Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame. 
I can't yeah. enjoy it as much, but yes. So, well, uh, but we got we, we have, have our crosses to bear, Tom. Right. We have, we have to move along. Tell me about what happened with the Hall of Fame voting. Well, it, the, the Hall of Fame voting, the baseball writers did their vote, and they they elected uh, David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Um, now, I, I thought this was unusual because Big Poppy got in on his first ballot, and yeah. you know, while he was a fine player, I don't think he's what he, he was a have. designated hitter. Yeah, I mean, he's not a first, yeah, he was a designated hitter. Exactly. I mean, albeit a great one. I mean, a great designated hitter, yes, but does that make him a first ballot Hall of Famer? In my estimation, no. He wasn't on, he wasn't on either of our ballots. Uh when we yeah, put our yeah. we remember on our last show, we kind of we went through this this thing. And it, the interesting thing, like you kind of referenced in the show notes, is this was the end of the line for for some some suspected steroid users, right? Yeah, it's that was the bigger story that that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens didn't get in, mm -hmm. you know, and Alex Rodriguez on his first ballot. But for Bonds and Clemens, it was the last time, and same for Sammy Sosa, yeah, the last yeah. time that they would appear on the ballot. And now know, they have to depend on the kindness of others, they, yeah, uh, meaning their fellow veterans, and. Well, uh, I think I, I think they're going to get in. That's what I. The veterans I, are. Their friends are going to put them in Phil Rizzuto style. Yeah, no, they'll get in. They'll get in, and and I'll I'll even go so far as to say that they deserve to get in. But here's the problem I have. You know, people say, "Oh, well, you know, you know, steroids. What do you? Whatever. They they deserve to get in, and I'll say it like that." They say but, that while they're drinking coffee, smoking well, cigarettes, smoking pot, or possibly even having alcohol. But but I will say <laughs> this. If if Bonds and Clemens get in, I will not celebrate their induction. No, no. The same for Rodriguez. It was the same I'm for like, Pete, same for Pete Rose for a different same for different, Pete Rose. different way. It's no, just I'm not, yeah. We don't, I don't have to throw a party for that. You want to put him in? You think he deserves to be in? Put him in. Right. I don't right. care. But but I'm not gonna have a party about it. I'm going, I'm going to the 2024 induction. And in fact, I'm going to the Tiger game this August 8th, I think it is, when uh, Lou Whitaker's number is retired at, at oh. the new Tiger Stadium. I'm going to that game. But I'm also going to the Hall of Fame in 2024. Why? Because the veterans vote in 2023 on on Whitaker's uh, uh, you know that that group of hitters yeah, of which they yeah. uh, sunset I don't know what they call them but, but from 1975 to 1995 or something like that um but we we think that he's going to get finally get put in we want to go to the 2024 induction in Cooperstown so I'm kind of Smart. excited good. yeah good, 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 uh, you know you're not we've we've been advocates for Lou Whitaker for years now but we do think there's some traction the idea that his number gets retired is going to put him on the map from a voting standpoint we think it's everyone to kind of look at it again you're absolutely right no no he and if trammels in he because you could argue that Whitaker should have went in before Trammell. I hate to break it yeah. to you. I'm, I mean, look Whitaker. at their stats. Just look at the yeah. win above replacement. But whatever. And, and I won't go so far. You know, we, I, I won't. I don't think it's fair to paint this around race. No, 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 no. I've never, I've never said that. No, and, and, and but there will be people who will say it. Well, you no, know, yeah, I think what what hindered Whitaker was his personality. Yeah. He didn't he didn't sell it like other players have sold. He, it. But but that, we, we have to we have to honor the other folks that did make it into the hall. Um, and that's Jim Cott. Which what took Jim Cott so long? Jim Cott, from a number standpoint, there's probably four or five pitchers that have 
less wins than him that have been put into the hall. Jack Morris comes to mind. Yeah, no, he's yeah, just for durability alone. Yeah. Uh, Cott should have, I think, gone in a long time. It's way past uh, his time to go in. And yeah. he's a great baseball presence, right. you know, as an, as a play-by-play or not a, you know, as a color man yep. or as yep. an analyst. I think that it's, it's good that he goes in. I don't have much he, of he a, won a he won a boatload of golden glove or uh yeah, gold he was, gloves, he I mean. regarded as the greatest defensive pitcher of his era. Yeah, Tony yeah. Oliva, also a great, great hitter who great hitter. you know he was a tremendous hitter. He I had like six Tony Oliva baseball cards when I was a kid. They were all no, he was a, and also a very likable player. But the one that I think uh cuts closest to home is the fact that Minnie Minoso finally gets in. Yeah, you know, and uh Minnie Minoso the great Cuban player, uh, kind of the Jackie Robinson of Latin American yeah. players of color. Right. Um, you know, he gets in and uh, part of the problem with Minoso is that he came back, you know, 10 years later to have these at, these at-bats as a promotion. Yeah, publicity stunts. Right. And it hurt his Hall of Fame eligibility. I, I agree. I agree. His legacy was hampered by these these Bill Veck like publicity stunts because the reality is he's no he's not no less than what Buck O'Neill was, uh, who's also going in this year, long overdue. He's another guy that they should have put in 15 years ago. But in the case of Minosa, like you kind of covered last year on one of our episodes, he was a phenomenal. Uh, player uh, prior to him entering the major leagues. And so this is long overdue. Gil Hodges has been a debate for years. We can talk about whether he belongs in the hall. Again, you have a lot of friends. Hodges never got to, to enjoy this. So the kind of the point is moot, but people advocated for him who played with him back in the day as being a Hall of Famer for years. I don't know what your thoughts are on Gil Hodges. Well, I, I just think that, you know, the Hall needs to figure out a way to honor the people who, who when they're still alive. Right. Except Pete Rose, but yes. Yeah. It doesn't, well, whatever happens there happens. No, but, I know. But, I don't want to re-adjudicate that one. And, and Ron Sano immediately comes to mind. I mean, yeah. what's the point of having a Hall of Fame if the people you induct aren't alive to see it happen. I, 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 I know that mistakes can be made. Men can be overlooked. It's, it's difficult, but, but I don't know. I, I, yeah. I would have liked to have seen these guys go in. And one thing I also want to mention about Buck O'Neill, what, what's interesting about his case is that while he was probably a pretty ordinary player, uh, most people will probably tell you that who played with him, Buck O'Neill was absolutely essential. I mean, completely critical to the oral history of the Negro Leagues. If correct. Buck O'Neill had not lived, that's correct. we did not know Buck O'Neill, we would have no idea of, or less of an idea, of what it was like to, to be alive and to have played and to have experienced those times as a black baseball player in the United States of America. And so, you know, it, he, he everybody got to know him in America during the Ken Burns baseball documentary, but yeah. I mean, there, there, so much is, is unknown of what he did do as far as for the Black Baseball Hall of Fame or the Negro Leagues Hall of Fame in Kansas City and just being, I don't know, a resource. Yeah, okay? I agree with you. He's not in the Hall of Fame because of his playing, but he's, he's no. the guy that kind of introduced the rest of the world to guys like Oscar Charleston, yeah. who's considered him and Josh Gibson as being the two greatest uh, players to ever play uh, in the Negro Leagues. And Satchel Page as a pitcher. I'm talking about hitters now. A lot of this was done. The fact that we know about some of these other players besides the most famous ones, Jackie Rob, you know, the ones we know about that made the major leagues, but ones that didn't make the major leagues. 
Braves and getting those guys their just due and getting those guys into the Hall of Fame and all of that stuff was largely because of the efforts of Buck O'Neill. Well, and, and he, there's the famous like when he, he, he remember hearing a sound, you know, and it was the sound of Babe Ruth hitting the ball. Yeah. You know, the sound that the bat made when it hit the ball. Correct. Swung and then he heard it again and it was Josh Gibson. And then he heard it a third time and it was Bo Jackson, you know, right. and, and just right. things and like he, that. And he heard it a fifth time. It was Stan Pappy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. All right. So we, we will, we will close our baseball discussion on uh, what's happening locally. Uh, the White Sox and the Cubs have made some moves. We begin with the Cubs, who extend David Ross through the 2024 season. Yeah. They also sign Andrelton Simmons to, I think, what is it, five, eight million? Very low. Yes. Uh, but it's a one-year deal. Yeah. And uh, the uh, big just coach- the one thing is, arguably one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. He has this is a mind-boggling 28 defensive win above replacement. 28. Yeah, Try to get your head around how how big that is. I'll give you a contrast. Javi Baez has a 10. Wow. So we're, we're this, we've actually upgraded at the at the shortstop position, and and we need to know that it, the reason why this is kind of important is because the big daddy player out there, Carlos Correa, is also a shortstop. And so yeah. when I yeah. saw that signing, I'm thinking to myself, they're not making Korea second baseman. And, and I, I think, um, you know, Andrelton is only a shortstop. So it kind of told me that maybe the Cubs are done with Korea, which is sad. I, I, I don't think so necessarily. I, well, see, I, hope, I, I hope you're right. <laughs> I think they're still in the hunt for Korea. And yeah. Simmons is there as a backup. He can play different infield and outfield positions. Right. And I also, just while you were talking right there, I went to baseball reference. What? And you said that you, you said that uh, uh, Simmons mm-hmm. has 21 defensive no, wins. No, 28. He's 28. only a, he, he's a 21 overall because his offense is yeah, so his good. Offense, but 28 overall. 28 defensively. That I'm telling you, that's like Hall of Fame material. That's how good well, that is. That's why I went and looked up Ozzy Smith's. Yeah, I wanted to guess Ozzy Smith's. Ozzy Smith has got to be like in the thirties, or maybe even higher. It could be like a four. His his should be the number one one. I don't know what is it. Forty four. Yeah, again, forty four. Again, so a twenty eight is extraordinary. Is extraordinary because because Ozzy Smith. It's a know, 44. That's unbelievable. What's Brooks Robinson? You know, but but anyways, we got to get on with the show. What, what, did, get what, did, what did the White Sox do? The White Sox? Well, um, let's find out. I'll go to the show sheet right here. And they just uh, they lost. They, they lost Rodon. They lost Carlos Rodon to the Giants, who signed him to a two year deal. And he has an opt out after the first year. So if he goes out and has a phenomenal year. He can, uh, which is which is questionable based on his overall stats. He's only had one great year, and that was last year. But he's only had last year. year. But and he really only had one great sort of uh, stretch of five eighths of a year. Yeah, yeah, right, right. (laughs) And it was really funny because at one point uh, somebody suggested that when Carlos Rodon was really dealing early or you know early last year, that what if the White Sox offered him fifty million dollars for two years? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and right. they're, they're wishing maybe that they had done it now. But the problem is, is that 
as good as Rodon can be, he has never had a season where he hasn't missed time due to That's injury. Right. That's right. And, uh, and, and so it's a big risk for anybody, but, but when the, so- good, the Sox, the Sox have an embarrassment of riches in the sense that they, they, to me, it seems like they've been trying to get Dylan Cease into that rotation for a couple of years now. Now they have a perfectly good experience. Or you mean Michael Kopech? You mean Michael I'm sorry, Kopech. Kopech. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, you're and, right. You're right. You're right. And, and, and it kind of frees up the back end of that rotation to, to take a chance to see what these guys can do. I, I don't think I don't think the Sox get hurt by this at all. No, no. I, I think you're probably right. And I think the same thing will happen in San Francisco that happened here. That he'll pitch well. Yes. And then he'll get injured. And right. and. Uh, he, he's know, he's their replacement for, for for the Giants for losing Gossman to to the Blue Jays. Gossman was their number one starter. I think they think this guy's going to be at the top of the rotation. I think good luck with that. He he might like you said for a stretch, maybe five yeah. eighths of the season. But overall, now. Well, so, getting back to Kopech, I think the White Sox will. There's talk of them going to a six man rotation to kind of limit his innings and sort of keep him fresh right. around, and they don't have the same problems they had with Rodon. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And also before we forget the Sox signed Joe Kelly too, who and Josh Harrison and Josh Harrison. Um, but Kelly, um, it will be interesting to say because he's had some serious injury uh, arm injuries the last couple of years. And his last great season was 2018, even though he was dominating. Uh, he was dominating. I, I, I think it's good. You know, more arms in the bullpen is not a bad thing. The, the bullpen, when you construct a roster is more like alchemy, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that can blow up unexpectedly, but then also be a strength and the kind of thing yeah. that, that that's right. Championships. Exactly. You know, if they catch fire at the right time. So, so I'm all for trying different combinations of players and, and getting them in, getting them out, protecting them, saving them, get, you know, so anything that they can do there to improve is good. The Harrison signing is interesting because he's not, He's about an average yeah. hitter at the major league level, probably in decline, probably below average at this point of his career. But he's also a good guy to have in the clubhouse, and he's good defensively, and he can play a number of positions, which is what the White Sox kind of need. Yeah, well, I'm a Tiger fan, and we got rid of him. So good good luck with him. Good luck, <laughs> yeah, with, him. Good luck with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 we'll see. I mean, it's the kind of thing that maybe – Maybe when he gets around Tim Anderson and so on and so forth, and he gets the vibe, and there might be a last little burst of energy from him. But uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Life matters even more than love. So that concludes the uh, Peanuts discussion, and we're going to go right to the popcorn, and we're going to go with a movie that has been nominated for Best Picture by the Academy uh, of Motion Pictures, and that is West Side Story. This is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, the remake of the 1962 film? Oh, 1961, I think. 1961. All right. It was in the ballpark. Yeah. And, uh, and, And so, you know, 
all these years later after the first one uh, has been made, there's a lot of criticism about it in that there's hardly anyone of Puerto Rican descent in the movie apart from Rita Moreno. You're talking about the original film now. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. the original. Yeah. Uh, who, who, is the, who won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. But that's part of why this movie was made in the first place, that, that the movie, many people felt that it needed some updating. And uh, I think it's kind of funny that that was a decision that was made because when the original West Side Story was made, you're updating Romeo and Juliet. So yeah. now we have to update the movie that was updated that was made to update you know, the other story. Yeah. Now I want to ask you directly. Yeah. Do you think that this movie is worthy of Best Picture this year? Uh, to win Best Picture? Yeah. yeah absolutely. You- absolutely not. It's 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 it, I've seen all the Best Picture nominees and it's fifth on my list. There's I don't think there's a chance in hell. It would be shocking if it does win. Um, it, obviously, it's in the race, so it could win. I just think its odds are there's a few films which we'll discuss later on that to me are are uh, better examples of what most likely will win. Um, this is not one of them. I And so I, I will tell you that um, this is still a four star movie. I want I want I want to preface by saying the original West Side Story, which is very criticized by a lot of people. And, and my wife, who hates musicals, I actually dragged her to the theater to see the new one. And she even said that there was some improvements. What she did not get like about the original was the fact that. Hey, while these guys are dancing, real tough guys are kicking your ass. I mean, these guys were not really tough guys. They looked like New York dancers, and there was no Puerto Ricans in it. And Natalie Wood is a Russian Jew. She's not Puerto Rican. And and so she She can't sing. And she can't sing at all. However, I personally feel that that film... I had a deeper connection to the actors and the songs than this version, which was a technically... Yeah, much yeah. superior film. There it is a scene wider, more colorful. It's not just that. No, no, no. There yeah. is a shot in this film that is cinematic history for movie buffs like me, and that's when they're dancing in the gym. When the, when when Spielberg pulls that that camera out, and it almost looks like a Busby Berkeley choreographed yeah. scene. That's right up there with, with the greatest scenes you'll ever see in any movie. The problem I had was, yes, they had real Puerto Ricans. They had all, and that was beautiful. That was fantastic. It was great to see Rita Marino. I felt zero connection to these people. As soon as I saw this film and the next day, I'd forgotten completely about it. Whereas when I originally saw West Side Story, I was whistling that theme song for weeks at school. And we would snap our fingers in the schoolyard like the Jets did in the original West Side Story. I felt no connection to that and this film at all, even though it's technically superior. I kept asking myself, yes, this is a far superior technical film, but why did you do it? Why did you make it? It just seems, and part of it was COVID because this film was supposed to be released a couple of years ago. So timing is part of this. It just, in the in the films that are out today, it just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I, I just kept thinking, why, why did you do it, Stephen? I mean, I know you love the film, but Jesus, you made Jaws, dude. Come on. It it was a box office flop, too. And I think hardly anybody has seen it. And I think that's a mistake, you know, because there are some good performances and there are some of the updates I really like. I like the fact that Uh, Ariana DuBose is going to win Best Supporting Actress. And I think she's going to win. (laughs) She because what she does, singing, dancing, acting, 
She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. You can't, you can't take your eyes off of her. She Correct. commands every single scene she's in. Right. She's Correct. I, I agree with that part. The brightest star in the movie and yeah. her performance cannot be overlooked. Yeah. You know, but again, I mean, there were some other good things about it. Um, what I enjoyed was that there was actual spoken Spanish. Yes. And they intentionally did not subtitle it. Correct. 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 And, and I loved sort of knowing all the Spanish. And I'm in on that. Yep, you know what I mean? Yep, fact, yep. I know that. And maybe some people don't. Right. That's kind of fun. You know, I know what they're saying. And, and so, and it's just, it was bigger. It was bolder. Yes. But it did not connect as much as the first. Yeah. You know, it, you know I, I think that, um, again, I, I just think ultimately this film is it was nominated for a boatload of awards and it's going to win some. To, to me, there was only one film that looked better out of those 10. Um, and that was Nightmare Alley, Del Tormo. Um, that film was just unbelievable. We'll talk about that at a later date. But West Side Story was visually beautiful. Absolutely. From the, and, and the other thing I would say is, for those that even have remote interest, go see it in a movie theater. Do not watch it on your television. This is a movie that must be experienced in a bigly way. And, and you got to go to a theater to see it. I think that's just my own personal opinion. And when I say that it didn't connect as much as the original, it still connects. I was yes, watching yes. last night with my wife and my daughter and they were crying their eyes out. Right. They, well, Because they weren't able to see the regular shows. No, right, exactly. Because <laughs> law and order would be canceled or whatever. But you know, no, but 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 honestly, they were really into it. You know, right, right. What it is is a big, bold, wonderful production. Yeah. It's beautifully, I mean, the score is amazing, the music is fantastic. Every single musical number we all know, right, you know, they're right. all reprised and heard again and re you know, they're redone a thousand different ways. And, and it's important that we, we sort of see this movie to kind of connect with that again. But, uh, but, but again, I mean, I think it's better in many ways than the original, but because, it, but because it's not the original, right. it'll never be regarded as highly. Yeah, you know? you know, that's an interesting point. If there never was the film in 61, right. what would you think of this film if it came out in 61? And I think it would have blown the heads off of people. Like it, it would have really, really been huge. And, and yeah. mostly because of how technically beautiful it was in a Ben-Hur kind of way. People would be like, oh my God, how do you look at the colors? Look at, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there, there's a, that great moment in The Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to color. In the movie theaters, that was startling when that occurred. Yeah, startling. And so, you know, Spielberg achieved his goal. I just kept thinking, why? Why, why did you do this? I mean, to a certain degree, as great a virtuoso as you are, it tarnishes you a little bit in my mind, because it's like, if you're going to remake a film, why did you remake this one? It's just puzzling to me. Now, did you read that article? Uh, West yes. Side yeah. Oh, of course. I yeah. On the, from the cut. Yes. Yeah. And I can understand why Puerto Ricans are upset. However, I do think that there is that they kind of did get it right to a certain degree, but I understand what I, I get all sides to the story. I try to look at it from a judicial standpoint and I get why they, you know, they, they, they still feel as though it's racist, <laughs> you know? Well, you know what? It, it, I, you can't say that. I think racist is too strong a word in this case. I think short-sighted is yeah. probably a better. Yeah. Term. Right. Right. 
Because the men who made this were gay men living yeah. in the 1950s. That's right. You know what I mean? That's and correct. That is absolutely who, correct. Who, many of them were Jewish, by the way. Many of whom were Jewish, who had this idea. Right. To update all oh, this great idea. We'll do. We'll update Romeo and Juliet. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. We'll do it with music and we'll do it with dance and we'll set yeah. it in New York City and we'll make it relevant to modern times. And yes, they sort of screw it up as far as <laughs> are they being. But but if they if they if those men had sat and taken a moment to think about, well, what are people what are people going to think about what we've made? Right, what are right. they going to say? Are we doing this exactly right? Are we making sure that everybody is accommodated? Yeah. They, never would have made, they never would have made anything. No, no, it's true. And also, if you think about rock and roll, it's a bunch of white guys stealing black people's music. I mean, it, well, we, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it is. I mean, call it what it is. So this kind of misappropriation has been going on forever. And I think that that I don't think in the the late 50s, when this was first a Broadway classic, that like what you were saying even entered their mind, that they were, yeah. you know, sliding uh, Puerto Ricans, that, that they were just using that as a plot uh, device, really, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it, it, it was nothing more than a plot device. They're just yeah. putting together Correct. rhythms. Correct. First Correct. Thing is putting together music and lyrics and all the people associated. It's this great collaboration. Right. Of, of choreography, of music, of, of singing, of acting, of all these things that go into putting on a Broadway play. Yeah. And then they make a movie out of it. And, and it's all, you know, but if they thought about, oh, well, are we really treat? are the Puerto Ricans really being treated well? Well, I don't know if I feel like I can be a part of this or, you know what I mean? These were the most creative people in America at right. that time. Correct. Correct. We can't allow this kind of thinking to cloud their artistic judgment. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's still a four-star film for me. And the original is 48th on my list. And this film will come in around 200th. So it's not, It's again, it's still, to me, it's still very well done. But it's just, you know. But it falls short precisely because it's a remake of a movie that was already considered to be great. Correct. You know? Correct. Correct. So. All right, so uh, that brings us to the end of uh, today's activities. I so, do have I do have a film for next week. I was uh, about to ask Tom, what 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 is that? I'm, so I'm, this film, I just want to preface by saying I've seen all of the best pictures, and we'll have a, a, a show in a couple of weeks for Oscars where we'll talk about them. This was my favorite film. However, I don't think it's going to win best picture, but it was my favorite of the ten, and it's a film called Coda which stands for Children of Deaf Adults. And it's, um, it's just a fantastic movie. I dare you not to cry. And that's our film for next week. All right. Well, until, until then, we are the two peas in the podcast. I'll bang the drum slowly And play the five lowly Play the dead march As they carry me along Put bunches of roses all over my coffin. Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall. <laughs>